Hello and welcome to The Outliers, the podcast that is a podcast. This is my podcast. It is like many other podcasts, but this one is mine. Take a um, shot for every podcast. <laughs> you will die. <laughs> um, so, I'm your host, McLean, as always, with me, much like, you know, a shirt on your back, my, get, my, uh, my co-host... It is I, Major Tyler, of some fort, I don't know. (laughs) And featuring this episode is our guest. Me, it's Deimos. I, hello, how are you guys doing? Um, I'm good. I'm actually kind of very excited to watch this movie, uh, talk about this movie. It was my first time watching it, actually. Um, Deimos, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, kind of like... uh, if you want to share like what you'd like to share about yourself so our fans could get to know who you are um, even though like half of our fans are from the discord i know you from uh, uh most of the people know me as Deimos. i'm gonna leave my real name out of this i'm a veteran of the u.s army i was an infantryman in the 75th ranger regiment for about five years and then i got out of that went to college to become a history major and i've accomplished uh, becoming a mechanic with those skills so uh you know just uh someone who enjoys film someone who still wants to do history and other stuff so just doing yeah. a little bit i can to get by in these trying times yes um and like you know i think i think uh kind of um rangers are considered special forces right or am i wrong yes, about that uh, special operations right um so I think like your perspective, even though uh, none of us have any experience going to military school, like the, uh, I think, I believe most of them are middle school through like high school yeah. um, type of experience. But I think like you probably can give us like a little bit of ex- background on what it's like to go through that, like joining the military. Cause like, I feel like there's a lot of talk of, I won't say indoctrination, but oh, being yeah. driven into a certain mindset. Um, so to start us off, uh, why don't we talk just a little bit on our first impressions on the movie? Um, who would like to lead us on this? I'll go ahead. Because this is this is also my first time uh, watching this movie. And I thought it was pretty cool. It was really interesting to see all the people, a lot of actors that I know as old people now, but they're like, in, they're like 21 um, in this film. So I was just like, whoa, that's like a baby Tom Cruise and Giancarlo Esposito as a child. It's absolutely wild because I only know them in their like 60s and 50s. Um, but there was, there was a lot of really interesting things going on here. And, and um, I, I felt like a really interesting connection to these kids, um, especially because like a lot of it is very much like contained in this one location so you get to know the ins and out of the base and all the and all the um kids depend like no matter how old they are there's like a, a lot of like variation in how they behave so on, on top of them like you know being engaged in like you know the big conflict but then they're gonna just go and watch star trek on the tv for a bit and i thought that was really neat uh but overall i thought it was a really uh interesting movie um, yeah, I'll go ahead uh, next then and so say um, it was also my first time viewing this movie. Uh, I said that earlier, but I feel like I should say it again. Um, and actually, you know, I, this was an interesting movie. I know my grandfather likes this movie. Um, it's kind of a very interesting, I think, take on 
a almost a war movie it's like a weird mix of war movie and coming of age movie to some degree um i also think that there's kind of this interesting conversation going around like the psychology of like exposing young people to this military mindset so early in their lives um also it's kind of an interesting movie because it's kind of rooted in some pennsylvania history uh a lot of the movies set in uh, they call it bunker hill academy but in uh real life they shot most of it at valley forge which is actually very close to me in terms like not very close but in terms of like just hundreds of miles radius it's fairly like i know where it is and i've seen it um it is country close <laughs> yes it is yeah and you know it's also like very kind of uh very like much a part of pennsylvania history too because uh you know valley forge is as a battle goes on to be like one of those uh not as a battle but as a uh, historical landmark in the united states is a very big part of pennsylvania history um also like i will say just like in my experiences like of all the people i've met who've done ROTC or like military school people from valley forge were the most well adjusted usually hmm. but uh besides the point uh Deimos, how about your thoughts on the uh um i have a lot of i i enjoyed the film it 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 hit a lot of different notes with me from my personal experiences. Like the first 10, 15 minutes, I wanted to message you and ask you if you, you chose this movie because you knew it would trigger me and just <laughs> make me rage. But once we got past the initial like opening the setup and then the ball started rolling, it was like, okay, I see, like you said, like this is, like this is my first time seeing it as well, by the way. I've not seen this movie before. But seeing all of these young baby faced actors who've become big names in their own right seeing uh, scott in his older age doing another military role yeah. and some of the other just the various actors that were placed here and there it was it was an interesting film and yeah it touches on a lot of weird things like it like on um, indoctrination like yeah war and death and other stuff it was interesting it was definitely worth a watch so thank you for getting me to finally yeah. watch a movie that i probably would have never bothered with had you not brought this up when you suggested this to me so yeah i guess one of the reasons i want to talk about this movie is just because like it's a weird i is um i kind of i told my dad i was watching he's like oh good i like that movie and it's like yeah and i text him it's kind of the anti-red dawn or it's yes. like red, red dawn is like pure, i thought about that too pure unapologetic right-wing uh patriotism this is kind of like very it's fairly nuanced, and I realize the reason is is kind of because the year it came out is because it came in that like that weird Rambo First Blood, Carter era 1980s movies where like they things could be a little more in depth and critical kind of before we got like the Rambo Two Reagan era of 80s yeah, movies. Before they just kind of gave up on yeah on all that. It just became a pure action genre type thing. Yeah, um, and one of the things I am curious is how they sold Valley Forge on letting them shoot this movie here. I think I might know one of the reasons why, but uh, and we could talk about that in our next part where we talk about. But um, Damus, the reason I asked you on is because like I feel like it's very stereotypical for people when they have the opportunity to have veterans on, like they want them to break down, like, hey, how realistic is how they're holding the rifles and stuff <laughs> like that? Like, yeah, did you get to kick doors in when you were doing this? Like, and like I saw, I, like, because I kind of invited you on a little bit before I chose the movie. And I was thinking of like what would be appropriate movie. And I was first I was thinking of something like I thought about doing Red Dawn just to annoy you. Um, <laughs> thought about doing like Zero Dark Thirty or like one of those more modern war movies. 
And I decided on this one because I thought there was like more nuance to talking about actually like the mindset of militaries than the areas to actually do with just war fighting. Yeah. So uh, that's kind of like my take on this movie is like there, it's very nuanced for a quotation marks war movie. Yeah, I have to agree there. It does, it, it approaches the entire war genre from a completely different angle yeah. Since I mean these are all kids. Like when I first saw, like, oh, this is like, this is like West Point Military College type. Of, oh no, this is a, these are kids. Yeah. Like the, I did um, not know what I was getting into once this, once I realized that. Yeah. And uh, just a little bit hit like uh, to let you know about the real life Valley Forge is um, Bunker Hill is basically Valley Forge is a military school. As I stated earlier, it's a military school and college, so there is a college element. And usually people go in there, I believe, from like high school onwards. Um, and I do believe it's like it's it has a significant amount first as far as military schools and it is like one of the very famous ones. Um, so a little background before we get into the movie itself, a little bit of background. The movie was made in 1980, was released in 1981, uh, directed by Harold Beckard. Um, he is also known for other movies such as Sea of Love, Domestic Disturbance, Mercury Rising, Malice. Um, it's funny, it seems like uh, of his movies, this is the only one of his movies I've seen, um, which is an interest, it's interesting for, uh, you know, this to be like a, I don't want to say breakout role, but a very interesting. As far as writers go, there was uh, Daryl Pon- Pon- Ponick San, who uh, wrote Last Flag Flying, a very recent movie, Cinderella Liberty, The Boost, and School Ties, uh, and Robert Kramen, uh, who was involved in uh, in making the Karate Kids movies and Fifth Element as a writer. So I think some interesting backgrounds. And then the adaptation was done by James Lindbergh and Devery Freeman wrote the novel that this movie was based off of. As far as our cast goes, we have George C. Scott, once again, playing a general. Timothy Hutton as Brian Moreland, the main character of this movie. Ronnie Cox as Colonel Kirby, who's kind of somewhat of the foil antagonist, and I'd also kind of say one of the one of the antagonists. Sean Penn, Alex Dreyer, who's I'd say the moral compass of this movie. Tom Cruise as David Sean, who's in my opinion the true antagonist. And uh, that's a little bit of background to the movie. And like I said, mostly shot in Valley Forge. One of the more interesting things I found is that they actually, to build the sets for all the indoor scenes, they built it on Valley Forge's polo field. Um, and what they, I believe they end up destroying the actual Valley Forge gymnasium and at the expense of the movie, recreated it for them. So I think that's one of the reasons Valley Forge said yes to filming this movie is because they got like some renovations and bonuses out of it. But uh, yeah, so... Now we're going to kind of like break down the movie as we go through it. And uh, anybody wants to stop me and talk about something they noticed, uh, please let me know. But uh, yeah, let's start with how this this movie um, starts off kind of funny because I think, Damos, you said how you were going to text me because you thought I picked out this movie to piss you off. Because the beginning <laughs> of this movie is very like rah, rah, America, rule number one, go army type stuff. Um, yeah, very much so. And it is like, you know, the start of the movie is our main character, uh, Brian, being promoted to major cadet um, or cadet major. 
who basically he's given a the like uh highest leadership role you can be given as a as a cadet in this military academy so you have a character taking a lot of responsibility and it's also established his relationship to the general in this movie um uh you know john uh George S. George C. Scott, uh, who plays General Harlan Batch, and you kind of get the idea that Batch, uh, as at somewhat like you get, he's set up, and you get the idea he's very close to this academy, and to the point like this academy is his. And uh, one of the things I think they do early on, I don't know if you guys picked up on this, is how they use the term civilian a lot when talking about everybody outside of the establishment. Yep. Yeah, um, I, I definitely took note of that. You yeah, know, and. Go ahead, Damon. Definitely get an idea right away that like, this is a separate world unto itself. Because, like, oh, you, the very opening of the film is where they're in that, uh, they're in church. Like, it's just, oh, it's just a Sunday yes. morning church. And it's like, oh, but he ends the church session by this circle jerk wank of like famous dead people who went to, to Bunker Hill who died in battle. Yeah, for some U.S. military <laughs> operation. Yeah, like, uh, right away. Like, like he they're beating into these people's heads, like sacrifices, glory, and that's all that. And matters. it is good how they start that shot out too, where um, it starts with them kind of closed up on just the choir, and then as the camera pulls out, you begin to see people, and then you see like one military uniform, and then more, and then you see this row of guys with swords drawn in the aisle. It's very clever camera work um, in terms of like establishing kind of the context to the movie. And uh, there is this like interesting moment of this is like kind of this is America of like it's God and the military and there's nothing else. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think that is kind of like it's established that this is in the world onto itself, as you said. And, uh, you know, we go through. And we kind of get to, uh, they do a good job of introducing the dynamic, I'd say, who are the main characters, which is this cadet leadership. Um, you know, you have Moreland, who is definitely the, I'd say, of the of the main characters, he's the most central one. And you are introduced to Sean Penn, who is Al, his Alex, who is his, uh, I don't know how you describe him, but he's definitely somewhat, if it's like moral comp, like conscious, like he's very much like the moral compass of the movie, I'd say. I agree. Um, yeah. You know, and then you have uh, Tom Cruise at introduced to Sean, and like I kind of like, and he's the most in his uniform out, and I <laughs> I don't know if these are like actual cadet uniforms, but I love that he has the black shirt and red beret, because he like looks like, you know, fascist paramilitary Hitler youth. <laughs> Um, yeah, they definitely wanted to make his character stand out as like like the elite guard or whatever. Well, like Sean and Dwyer, like they're kind of just like the angel and devil, uh, devil on his shoulder. Um, and I thought that dynamic was really interesting because uh, you, you got this crazy Tom Cruise is just like all about killing people, and the other yeah. one's like yeah i'll stick by you because we're friends but just know that this is kind of fucked up yeah i think that's a, a good comparison I, I think they kind of represent the complex dilemma they're in where yeah i'd say sean is definitely representative more of the totally indoctrinated side 
which our main character Moreland tends to lean to for a majority of the movie, but Dwyer is more representative of like the, we need to be reasonable and think long-term of what happens to us side of things. Yeah. Sean Penn's character definitely seemed more aware of the outside world as being a reality. Whereas you'd say, um, um, what was Cruz's character like drank the juice and that's all he knew. Like, like that was like what he lived, breathed and died for. Like, like that was his entire essence. Like he, that's all he wanted was that. Like the when he, like when they first, when he walks in and sees um, uh, the main character, I got his name with the, the Orland. with the oak leaves on, he was like, "I'd give my left nut for those." Like, yeah, like he was, he was all in it, and he just wanted, like, imagine if he was in, um. What's his name's place? How much worse it would have been? Oh yeah, I think it, it would have been total massacre the first half of the movie. The movie would be thirty minutes long, and it would just been a massacre <laughs> from the very beginning. All them kids dead. Yeah, <laughs> just a lot of dead kids, and it kind—I of, mean, not to cut to the end too soon, but it's because of him. Every like, he is the reason people get killed yep. in the end. Um. So we have our inciting incident shortly after. Well, there's also the parade. I kind of like quickly want to talk about the parade oh, because I God. thought. <laughs> okay, so during the parade, I was I was like the only thing that kept me glued to this movie at that point was the fact that I paid four bucks to rent it because I, <laughs> I wasn't fully on board with what was happening yet because I didn't get it um, at the point. So I thought it was just an, another like mi- military circle jerk movie. Uh. And I was, uh, but then I'm, I stuck with it, obviously. And I was like, I was, I was really impressed with what happened here, but Ooh, that parade got me (laughs) a little Uh, wrong. That was about the point where I wanted to text. Yeah. I (laughs) I was about to like, Hey, yo, uh, I don't know if I can make this episode (laughs) because they're like, Oh, all the heroes from the Mexican war in the Philippines. I'm like, uh, I thought for a second, it was going to be just like Vietnam deaths. Like, Oh, this, this is like he's jerking off to the all the bad wars. The like we don't, we don't even, yeah, that one too. Like that's not a good one either. I think there was a mention of uh, World War Two. Yeah, they mentioned the one World good War Two, World War One once, and then yeah, Civil War and stuff. But he didn't say which side. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't. Um, I believe Bunker Hill. I think is again supposed to be Valley Forge. Yeah. So I will say probably into the north, but it was actually yeah. originally supposed to be shot in I think Virginia or Georgia. In that oh. case, it would be a very different movie <laughs> in the context of when they say that line. Because fun fact, one of the famous things one of the Pennsylvania regiments did was kill a bunch of academy kids. Oh really? Wow. Yeah. One of, like, Pennsylvania's regiments is famous for, like, being, like, the ones to fire on, like, the academy kids that got deployed to, uh, what's it called? Deployed into the Civil War by the Confederacy because they needed people. And uh, it turns out child soldiers, uh, you know, don't make good soldiers. And it's kind of a bad idea to send them into war, which... Uh, As shown in this movie. Yeah. Oh. If I can go back one second before we go any further forward, uh, one more thing about the scene where where General Bratch has all has the two in there for the changing of like the cadets major whatever position where they like right away my first impression of the general like not from the previous stuff is like he's a man trapped in his past because all he's doing is telling these kids 
about his glory days and you can imagine he tells those stories every year yeah every time there's a new major every time somebody ranks up and he brings them in for dinner he's bragging about his past and about honor and glory and i remember that one time he's reinforcing his own nightmares through these kids and they're just drinking it up because they're like a surrogate father figure and did you notice that he quotes um teddy roosevelt roosevelt yeah. his rough yeah. rider stuff which is just a propaganda book for teddy roosevelt there's also a copy of the book Patton on his desk oh really Interesting. Yeah, which i think that was more in reference to the fact he played yeah. Patton previous to this um also i want before we move on i should say a note about um and a quick note about uh, him, uh, about Tom Cruise in this movie. Tom Cruise was just intended to be a background character originally. Yeah, I saw that when I looked up some of the like wiki yeah. stuff just to learn more about the film. Yeah, which uh, I just think that's interesting because it really makes me wonder if like his character was supposed to be like that, or, or like if his character existed at all. But um, yeah, so I, I think the military parade did a good job also kind of establishing all the faces because there's a lot of faces who don't get as much time but we do see them a lot throughout the movie oh i didn't realize this one of the characters we got to talk about young character actors that i would not have realized young carlo esposito yeah i, I you holy know, I, crap i looked that up after the film to see who that actor was, I was like no way yeah that's him at 21 years old i think like i only like remember him like as if he came on i know he's been in a lot of acting obviously for his entire career but i only remember him from his like breakout breaking bad role stuff you know he was in uh, spike please do the right thing yeah. too he, he, yeah you know it's funny because i looked him up because i didn't realize that was him and uh do the right thing and i saw he was in this movie i think that's actually what gave me an idea to do this movie i didn't um, realize it was him until i saw the, the end credits yeah no it's and it's funny because he's also fairly centric to uh yeah being a character in this movie because he's one of the lieutenants who's you know lieutenants i think or uh captains yeah their ranks are lieutenants tenants and captains for a couple of them they're yeah the, they're the like the squad like the platoon leaders basically for their for, they call them companies but they were they were like barely platoon sized in each for their yeah their I, I do believe most military academies only about half, half about like a few hundred people though so yeah. i don't know how that works yeah i, I couldn't tell you they also did course. mention this was like the summer courses too which i think was, uh, a good... was the right before the summer courses right right yeah. so i think that's kind of a good way to establish like some the dedication because i believe um what's his name sean penn's character dryer was not supposed to be staying for the summer courses originally so um let's now i think we can get to the exciting so past yes. the parade we get to the inciting incident this movie which uh there's a dance going on which is kind of their end of year dance. Um, and, you know, a lot, you know, during this is like a lot of the sol- the cadets have their, I keep wanting to call them soldiers, but they're not, they're cadets. Yeah. And I want to make that distinction. Um, a lot of the cadets, like, you know, have their girl. And this is something I do remember happening in um, like, I, I knew like one or two girls in high school who mm-hmm. dated like guys who went to Valley Forge. And this was like a thing that happened like, and because like girls would get like basically shuttled into like valley forge because like they they, yeah (laughs) it's i made it sound worse than it is but it's just like that thing of like you kind of forget the valley forge people have normal lives and oh yeah yeah um you know and it's one of those things in pennsylvania everybody knew the kid that they didn't recognize during the summer who had a shaved head and it's like oh yeah he goes to valley forge um but uh 
you know, as far as the whole, the, so that scene goes, you get the kind of local town kids who are just standing outside the gate antagonizing uh, the military school kids. And I, and I will say this is kind of one of those moments where I didn't quite know what the movie was, where the movie was going. And, um, you know, they kind of like start telling the, them that like they have to get away from the gates and then this proceeds in a fight. And during the fight, the general who had brought his, as part of his dress uniform was his pistol. Um, they gets in a scuffle. It goes off shooting one of the uh, local town boys, uh, killing him. Square in the chest. Yeah. And it, and it was shot by his own friend who had jumped the general mm-hmm. to pull his pistol. Right. But I, I did like they could have made that like the, the general like being upset at that guy, but instead he takes the blame. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because what madman wears a loaded pistol to a child's. When he says that, he. He says there's one in there was one in the chamber I didn't know. And um, you know, it's kind of the thing, like, still, why'd you wear your pistol? Yeah. Um, it shows how like out of touch and like he's been doing it for so long, he's losing the rhythms, he's losing the skill sets that he had, even though he was a general, but still like just basic basic shit. And just like like wow. <laughs> yeah. I you know, that's a really, like, you know, I think that, too, it's like, it does kind of go show, like, should this guy be in a position where he's in charge of also, people? Also, he... can I ask you both a question? Was I the only one who's like, is he the only adult in the room the entire fucking time? Because there's no other, like, um, up until that point, you yeah. never see another another adult instructor there, or anyone. All the, like, people on the, the all the people on the bus are implied to be faculty. Yeah, but you, I, I know it's uh, Yeah, stuff. it's, I think, I think it's what it comes down to is um, what it comes down to in terms of like the stories, I guess they want yeah. to focus more on students. So like, yeah. uh, you know, I think they, you know, they kind of cut anything for, mm-hmm. I'm going to, if I were to take a guess in the writing process, they probably cut anything that was in the class. Cause I think they had a fairly tight window to film this movie. I think yeah. they like, f- like filmed it like during the breaks of Valley Forge and into the summer. Okay, um, that make, it makes sense, but it still gave me like the impression that like, the, like he was the only man in charge of everything yeah. going on there, which I mean, this will come up in the next couple of scenes. We get to them because of all the terrible decisions he was making. <laughs> but that was just like how the film made me feel. Like, is he the only adult here the whole time? Yeah, I think it's just that he's the one the students are the most connected to because of his position. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the one they all idolize and worship, basically. Yeah. Um, because the only other person they ever talk about was the original was when he went to uh, I, I'm going to keep calling it Valley Forge Bunker Hill, the original I guess president or whatever he is. Yeah. Um, and you know we see him get arrested as he should have been, and then he has a heart attack as somebody who smokes three cigars a day, drinks brandy, and has c- committed murder probably would have. Yeah, I mean it's also very much like heavily like you know not even implied it's just like directly stated that he has several like severe health conditions that are going on mm-hmm. um before that like like the scene where he's like has to sit down and take a pill or he's like oh my doctor says i should only have one of these a day yep so he's definitely going through some 
stuff. Yeah. I think this was just like then, the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah, you take all those issues, add in the fact that he's lo- essentially going to lose his job in a year, no matter what he does, probably. And then oh, we forgot to mention that, didn't we? That the the whole thing was the the university was going to be shut down. Oh yeah, boy, I forgot. That's the big thing that's announced. I'd say that's probably more than saying incident is that we're given this deadline that they have a year before the school gets shut down. Yeah, because the major events happen like halfway through that final year. Yeah. Right. Um, but then he and, shoots the kid, and then they're like, "Yeah, actually, yeah, never mind. Like, <laughs> you know what about that? That yeah, never mind." Which and, and it, it, it's one of the things when it's told, it's kind of it's it's upsetting to these kids right at right away because especially it's like they find out they're building what condominium developments over the land. Yeah. Yeah. And Which, I can I can see why these kids are like furious and upset because this is this is their literally their entire world yeah like a lot of them this is these are their friends these are their you know this has been like when you're in school a broad majority of your time the people you socialize with and like the world you're in is that school because like you spend like nine out of nine months out of the year in school at that age too yeah so like it's easy to see like i can imagine being like I'm not upset enough to do a light coup, but if like I was in high school, I, even though I didn't like my high school, I could see being upset, being told like, "Hey, you all have to find a different school to go to." Yeah, especially like the younger kids, uh, who like obviously like the they treat um younger kids worse, they have a tough time, but like they were also like finally starting to adjust to it. Yeah, they 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 were starting to feel like um comfortable in their own um school now and to have to start that whole process over at a different school is obviously going to be very stressful for them because like i just feel felt started feeling like i belong here now i have to find somewhere else to go to yeah yep um yeah i can't believe we almost forgot to to mention that so yes the process of the school shutting down starts going faster they start i like they do establish like these are a lot of loaded weapons to have at a school like it is functionally a military establishment but it's still a school. When they, right. yeah, when they go into the armory and they're counting off what is essentially a company's worth of our of mortars and yeah. grenades and all sorts of shit, and it's just like, are you fucking serious? Like, yeah, I get this is a. I would expect the the rifles and stuff, but mortars. Why do they have mortar shells? Grenades? Like, are you fucking serious? Yeah, and I, like I'm also I'm... this armory is so unsecure. God, he just walked in there. <laughs> I believe that's because I think it was just their gymnasium that got styled differently. Like I'm not sure, but it was also like I think this was one of the sets they built. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, but like I don't know if like actual Valley Forge has weapons on it. So like I assume they do, but I can't. Believe me, well, obviously they wouldn't be so easily accessible. I hope. Like, there's no way they'd have fucking artillery. They 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 directly said I think is like they had enough munitions there to start World War Three. Like they <laughs> definitely, I would compare that to my memories of our own armories for my company when I was in battalion because like they had at least a company's worth of firearms for the which that's a lot of guns. I think they that's say a lot they have of firepower. They have 200 M16s. It's like yep. the first thing they caught. And then they list off all the uh, 1911s they had, 
M60 and 50 cal machine guns. Yeah. Um, and as far as I know, I do believe like they most military schools do have rifles, but I think they're usually marksman rifles, like for like target shooting and like those rifles you use for those fancy like uh rifle spinning things. Yeah, those are the yeah, drill and ceremony firearms that but, don't uh, actually get shot. Yeah, but like so, and the fact that they had like like so, I think that part of that was kind of like bullshitting a little. But oh yeah, I don't know because this we are also talking about Cold War heights, so who knows if there was just yep. a program to be like, yeah, let's have the school children be ready to fight in case and those I, commie bastards come over. And again, this goes back to the out of touch, self absorbed general who was in command of this, who probably had the connections to get these things and get them loaded up there. Yeah. Because they, he still wanted to pretend that he was relevant. They do say, how are we supposed to practice maneuvers over the uh, summer? So <laughs> I don't know if it's like, part of me feels like this was ri- like this screenplay was written by somebody who knew military, like somebody was in the military, but not in military school. But well, uh, I, I don't know. I know that I was looking up some of the stuff like the they put some of the actors through the uh like they went to i think valley yeah i believe um, did training for the the lead 40 days Uh, the lead for tom cruise tom cruise quit out like a bitch (laughs) i i could have blamed tom cruise i'd probably quit out Um, apparently all the other kids were like this is fun (laughs) yeah that could just be tom cruise he sounds like he wasn't the most social at the time so i could also picture um it's just maybe the environment he grew up mm-hmm. i think tom cruise was also the youngest at the time i think he was 19 where most of the others were 20s or so yeah so that could have had something to that do with true. it too um yeah. oh no um tom cruise if you're listening i respect you as an actor please don't come after me yes um, tom cruise is listening to our podcast well tom somebody cruise, who works for him right. heard us mention his name and has probably bugged our house tom cruise come fight me <laughs> that's the last time we ever heard from damos um, <laughs> but uh yeah send the scientologist to my house yeah i think a lot of the uh, background actors were from valley forge too i believe and i think sense. something like two thousand kids auditioned to be in this movie yeah that was a lot yeah so um we then get, you know, their plan goes into motion, and this is like, I like that Moreland's the one who's incites this, because it could have been easy to have that, like, this was an idea planted by Sean. Like, I, I feel like it would have been really easy to, like, make Sean this, like, responsible for all this. Yeah. Or Because I think Sean being essentially a radical follower is more fitting to what they were going for as a character than have him be the yeah. one who incites it, even though he does in his own way incite things. Yeah, Sean also, he's to me, you know, he's more of the muscle, which is what, like why he's in the beret unit with the, the drill guys with the rifles. He's in the elite beret, which their berets look like shit. Just have yeah, to say. it's um, but that it's, triggered me too, by the way. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, something I always hear about the military is like everybody I know in the military hated berets if they had to wear them. So I don't, is, is that is that the reason you didn't like them or is it just because they um, were like, his berets look like crap. They were not, yeah. they were not well maintained. You could see the, tie in the back they weren't shaped well i was in one of the few units where i was proud to wear a beret because it wasn't just the general army just here everybody gets one you you skipped over something really fast you shaved your berets yes you uh you have to shave your beret down so you can fold it easier like they're very fuzzy to begin with like it's it's a long process like it's a thing that's that sounds like a lot of work for a hat Yep. I mean, being you the want military, it to look good. If you want it to look the way our guys wore them, you have to. Yeah. Like, um, 
shave them and press them so they have the creases in them. So they don't just look like the muffin tops like you see a lot of people wearing. I guess yeah. a lot of work to make them actually not look like hot doo doo. Yeah, I um, yeah, that's okay. the American that's, style I... berets, not like comparing to any European style berets because ours are like dumb. <laughs> okay, so things we learned tonight: you shave your beret. <laughs> um, so you know, we then get them kind of first. We see them going to uh, town uh like to get supplies and they take two or they do some halves or five tons either way they take two military trucks and at the same time you have the i love this where the sheriff and one of the administrators walks into the armory and suddenly notices there's no guns yeah that was pretty good which is one of those things i could imagine boy that would be a heart attack if you were in charge of this school of children also you mean nobody was outside seeing these kids just pallet jack all of these racks of guns and mortars <laughs> out of the armory yeah m60 yeah. machine guns like we're gonna do inventory but we're not gonna have anybody pay attention to any of this i mean and, and even while they were doing military um yeah while they were doing inventory uh moreland just like walks in and they're just like wait uh how'd you get in here like the door's open dude it's yep. like oh yeah, maybe like, we should close it, that and i guess they just did it yeah, like it shows like how everybody who was involved in the leadership of this place was just completely just out of their element and dumb and just we're making money over this stupid school and now we're going to sell it and make more money. They do imply that I think Moreland was the only military leadership there because they say that, uh, you know, yeah, mo- that not Moreland, uh, the general is the only military leadership there because he's the only person that like uh, outranked uh, Moreland as. Yep far as we know yeah, which i think was the, i think that was to imply that there wasn't really any other military leadership mm-hmm. there besides so like the yeah. I, like i knew people who taught at, uh i like i have met a handful of teachers who taught at valley forge and they do kind of say like there is like a weird disconnect between trying to like relate to students mm-hmm. because like their students are all kind of viewing themselves as in the military world yeah like, you know yeah you know um it's an interesting i think kind of an interesting dilemma that they're in that that you're in as a teacher it's like hard to get somebody when somebody feels like they're in a completely different world than you it's hard to teach to them um so yeah i think that's kind of what they're trying to apply is that like you know the general was kind of the only person who was uh i won't say in control but like really the only person there who was uh the adult in a room and he wasn't doing a good job of being the adult yeah, and i would say he was the only one in control because yeah you tell like he had that place wrapped around his finger like all those kids be that yeah. his intention or not to be that kind of a, a leader but they all put him on a plinth above like everyone else and everyone who was a, a dirty civilian was was like not even on their radar of someone yeah. they needed to listen to so they commit felony one and take the administration hostage. They do release the administration, but they do for a brief while take the mil- uh, the administrators hostage at the school as well as like <laughs> yeah. one of the cops. Yep. Um, which I think that's an even bigger felony, I believe. And I like that they do that in this scene. The guys you see point the rifles at the sheriff the, and to the administrators were um, all the Red Beret guys because I think they kind of did that to establish the Red Berets are the uh, like diehards yeah and it and was a, I, they could have had just one or two guys with guns but they had the whole freaking squad up there 
Yeah. For an overwhelming show of force. Yeah. Meanwhile, in town, one of the trucks breaks down after they're getting their rations. Conveniently in the worst possible place. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's a stoplight, and a bunch of the town's kids from the earlier scene are there. They start harassing them, and Tom Cruise jumps down and begins to shoot his M16 into the air. Yeah, that... <laughs> so that was, you know, that that was an interesting, very... That was an interesting escalation of things, and we see all the kids with the M16s jump out the back of a truck, and they move into the second truck, and they leave, and they get there. And this is when you start to see the rift between, I'd say, the diehard and the kind of the doubtful, which is Dreyer and Sean. Because Dreyer points out, like, hey, he just, like, went trigger happy and started spraying yeah. am- ammo into the air. And Sean's like, I, like, listen, we had to do what we had to do to take control of the situation. Um. Dude, you fired in a, a machine gun in a civilian place. Yeah. yeah. Unloaded that magazine. Um, like I know he shot it into the air, but like Ill. um bullets, bullets eventually fall. come down. Yeah. They have to come down eventually. <laughs> they will land somewhere. I don't know where, but somewhere for sure. Maybe through somebody's skull. Who knows? <clears throat> yeah. But um, yeah, so and like they're like fortified this campus fairly well i do remember one of the reasons they uh chose valley fortress because it was like it had the walls to make this movie make sense for the exterior yeah shots. i could see like if you had an open campus like because that's the one thing i wish i could have seen more of the layout of the of the campus like where they yeah. do the training and stuff and where the hell they kept those horses for parade yeah but, it, I know, it's those unnecessary scenes but yeah, the walls, like, having that be a focal point show, like, okay, this is something we can fortify. I mean, could I just, like, Google Valley Forge's website? <laughs> I, I don't want to. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think, you know, uh, you know, the M60s were, like, for some reason, like, okay, I was expecting them to have rifles, but it's like, that that's an M60 machine gun. That's, a, like, you know, Vietnam movie side do- uh, Huey gunner machine gun. And there's like eventually a few 50 cows and like they had the trucks pulled up to walls to use as like uh, turrets and stuff. He got the sense like I like again like they all had steel pot helmets and um, uh, what do you call like military fatigues. Yeah they have fatigues and load carriers with magazines and their canteens and stuff and yeah yeah, they had the full fortified military position like basics going on. Yep. Yeah, it was one of those things where it's like, boy, uh, this went from zero to five hundred real fast. Yeah, I, I was like, boy, that escalated real, real quick. And you know, the police was, show. Oh, go ahead, Tyler. No, because I like as I was saying, like before we started, I'm like, this is something that's completely unfamiliar to me, and like the military world world is like so foreign to my own. So I saw them like whip out some like call of duty machine guns and shit I'm like <laughs> is this like normal like I, I don't know what is real and what it isn't so i was just like whoa whoa whoa, whoa. do they actually have these fucking <laughs> m16 strapped at, at at like kids uh schools i i can't believe so i i hope not i <laughs> I, 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 I too have no I was Googling this this and I couldn't find a definite answer. I could find like, you know, there are like rifles for marksman practice, but I don't know if rifle means like a bolt action 22 or an M16. 
um or i guess now it'd probably be like an ar-15 or something or maybe m-16s i I don't know what what they use um i would fully expect them to have surplus m-16s and m1 garands for parade and whatnot and Maybe like one machine gun for like ah we're gonna take the, this is like for part of the show off day at the I range to get the kids excited. Yeah, it's like <laughs> no. hey, like we're gonna teach you how to take apart this machine gun so you can scare the kids at summer camp by saying you know how to take apart an M60 machine gun. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're listening to this and you know the answer, and please let us know. I'm yes. interested. Message Tyler specifically. Um, not, I mean, maybe not that, but <laughs> yes, um, yeah, but like. And one of the things that, like, really, like, kind of, too, like, is just how well organized they all were. Um, like, one, it made me think of, like, as far as directing a bunch of kids, like, I guess, like, that was the advantage to using the Valley Forge kids, is they probably took being directed very well. Um, that was one of the things I thought, because even though the leads were, like, like, there was a lot of kids on set, I can only imagine that filming, because, you know, uh, Tyler and I know just from, like, having, like, having to read the rules a lot, Filming with minors is incredibly hard. Yes, it is. Yeah, I can only imagine with like, especially with some of their really, I don't know how old the two youngest kids were, the ones that were Bug and uh, what was the other kid's name, like Harris or, or Billy or something yeah. like that. Was Charlie was like the one that got uh, shot at the end. It was. Like... I'm gonna guess they were like at the at the oldest. I'd say maybe twelve. Yeah, that's what I was yeah. thinking, like ten ish. So is it? anyone's unfamiliar with how annoying it is to work with minors in a film they, they they can only work for certain hours of the day so um they're because of like labor laws of course you can't just like have children but the uh, uh, working like 15 hour days into like absurd hours of the night but they also have to have an on-set teacher and they yeah. also have they, they, uh, that's another expense added to the film because it's like okay now we have to hire this teacher to help educate this these students who should be in school but they're not because they're shooting this film it's sh- shooting on valley forge that might have been one of the advantages to using a bunch of valley forge kids as extras yeah yeah that, that would definitely help cut costs a little bit but wow it's it's really tough to do I'm actually gonna look at the budget of this movie, but yeah, so very impressive. And then I like, I kind of like you get the idea. The police are like, "How the fuck do we deal with this?" Oh, when they all haul ass up to the front gate, and then freaking. Yeah. Uh, let's and remember, prior to that, like the sheriff just got rammed by like a military truck driven by like a sixteen-year-old. <laughs> he shot but, at him, just fucking dumped his pistol at them. Yeah. I like how that sheriff was like, okay, I guess I'm going to murder some kids today. I'm going to shoot these kids in this truck. Um, <laughs> like, that is one part I didn't actually think about until just right now. Is that sheriff was awful, like, okay with, like, yeah, I'm going to kill some kids right here, right now. He might not even be able to tell if there were kids, honestly. Yeah. He just drove up out of nowhere. Honestly, if somebody just started shooting a machine gun, I don't think I'd take, like, a minute to ask how old. Uh, by the way, the budget for this movie was uh, $14 million. Um quite a bit back then not a lot anymore it's less than i expected to be honest yeah i mean this was the 80s too so it was also partially funded by the pentagon too i was gonna say yeah they uh <laughs> still shot that kind of still shocks me given what happens in this movie yeah that's both <laughs> this is definitely 
I'm going. Oh, uh, you mentioned how it was like the antithesis to Red Dawn earlier. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, that was another movie also funded by the Pentagon. <laughs> yes. But like, like three years later. This yeah. is not a movie the government would attach themselves to now. Like they would yes. not approve this. Yeah, movie. I was really thinking, like, you know, there's always the guy who talks about how like on the internet, like Blazing Saddles would be made because the world's too PC. This movie wouldn't be made because there's no way in hell our our like very pro troop pro army government would let this movie be made now. Ronald Reagan watched it while in office. I really, yeah, he watched it. He watched <laughs> it, and uh, th- th- so there's a list on um of, of movies that like Ronald Reagan watched while he, he's in office, and he watched this at Camp David uh, in December of 1981. Uh, to be a fly in a room, I, I feel like you showed a special cut of it. I don't know, but the idea <laughs> oh, of Ronald Reagan watching this movie. I also don't think he was the president in 1981, was he? I thought Carter was still president in 1981. That is a doobie Reagan. Oh, well, well then. Yeah, but um, yeah, so to kind of move forward, so we get this situation that they're in a standstill, and we do kind of start to see, like, you know, it, I like kind of the, the morale evolution throughout the movie because very early on they're all on board. I think that's because they think like they're just this when they see our might, they're going to instantly meet our demands. Um, and I think you get this idea, like like I said, from like how the police are talking, they're like, uh, you know, you have till an hour before we we like demand a forced surrender. And I think they kind of go through their heads like, we're not going to go in there. They have guns. <laughs> it's like, this is especially before they had, well, they did have the SWAT guys there in the beginning. Yeah. I, I mean, the cop this, cars. one of the things I, I just, I feel like that would be the day one, get one of those guys like, you know what? No, I'm handing me my, my three days notice. I've had enough of this. <laughs> I have a cop in rural Pennsylvania, in, uh, in Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. I do not feel it, like, or Bunker Hill, Pennsylvania. I did not sign up for this shit. Don't want my funeral to say I got gunned down by a kid at a gate. <laughs> not getting not getting gunned down by somebody who hasn't hit puberty yet. Um yeah, and we also and I do like um as this goes forward, and like I said, if I'm missing something you think I should cover, they do eventually we get to the point where their parents show up. And I think Moreland makes a lot of sense when you meet his dad. Yeah, when they when they fill in the gaps on Moreland's past and his relationship to his father, who he kind of blamed the father for some of this because he was a shitty dad. Yeah. I love the scene where he's talking about, uh, the, he's telling the story about when his mom died. And I'm like, all right, you got 15 minutes to cry. And then after that, no more crying. And then like, yeah, I followed his orders. I cried for 15 minutes and that was it. Like, oh, your toxic masculinity is leaking everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like, and I was like, I, I've known those kinds of, of, of fathers in the military and guys who didn't know how to turn it off when they went home and were probably just the worst people you know, to be raised by. You know, it's funny. Um, I, uh, me and you, Damos, both because we're in the Discord, uh, listened to Hell of a Way to Die, I think. Mm-hmm. 
and uh what's his name francis on that podcast always talks about like how there's like very much like when you ever meet the kid the, the sergeant who treats his kids like they're soldiers the military definitely broke that guy yep um that's like if i think the idea of what you get from uh moreland's dad and from and from moreland himself is oh the military broke this family yep um, military it's also interesting too because like everyone seems to respect him but they respect him because of what he was able to do like you know in battle and because of his status with the military but they don't really like consider what kind of man he actually was in the privacy of his own home or yeah. anything like that mm-hmm. and i think he's very much actually like the one who kind of ruins the chance for this to have ended peacefully i want to say yeah because he... he like his father very much like his father almost encourages this like in, in a weird way he's like you know why did you like why did you bother meeting with us this would have been a perfect opportunity to seize leadership i could break your neck right now like yeah he he comes into that meeting and he's not a father. He's he's in there as like he's a negotiator for the military. Yeah. Like talking about pa- how he like I I I've seen fifteen ways to get over here. Like there's breaches in your defenses. It's like they like this is and the parents are just like I want to see my kids. Can we see our yep. kids? Like we'll, we'll like we'll we'll like work with you so we can see our kids. And then he hits Moreland. And that's kind of when, like, I think you can tell from there on in Moreland's point of view, there is no turning back. Yeah, he's justified in his position now because that man stopped being his real father. And now was forever. Like, represent. That's why I thought the guy who was the, the colonel was actually his father at first. Um, which I'm kind of glad that wasn't because I felt like it would have been made, made it like way too cheesy if his father was the colonel in charge of the oh, National yeah. Guard. <laughs> um, which, you know, that's the scene that follows right after, not right after. Um, it, but yeah, that's also a good scene too because I like how you have, they again, you have Dreyer standing on one side of him and Sean standing on the other side. And you do again, it goes back to that D. Sean had, I don't think Dreyer has his gun with him. Uh, no, or, or might no, just it's... have his sidearm at least. But uh, Sean does, Sean has his rifle shouldered. You pretty much don't see Sean without a firearm if he's yeah. not like in the barracks. Or and something. in the one moment of downtime, we see him, he's uh, lifting weights, staring <laughs> yes. at his wall psychotically as the uh, I forget the guy's name is like looking for a grenade. Oh, wasn't. Shovel, I forgot. Was it shovel? No, that was yeah, another guy. It was like you no, know, no, it was shovel. Shovel was the yeah, fat shovel. kid. Yeah, and he was like the, the fat kid. So of course he had to have a very demeaning name because this was a movie made in it. Which, by the way, I like movies. Do you also might like this movie? Just reminded me is the Goonies. Yeah. <laughs> I could imagine like going from the Goonies to this, <laughs> or vice versa. The Goonies <laughs> pull of terrorism. Yeah, it's Goon. You know, Goonies meets uh. Full metal jacket. <laughs> um, but yeah, like that's the only scene we see him not with a gun is he's lifting weights, staring at the wall. Um, and I, I do think they do kind of convey the fact that Moreland is kind of sees himself as like a leader and like kind of it's a, he's in a weird position where he is still a kid. So like there's a moment when he talks to two younger kids. It's like he clearly just does like he seems almost like uncomfortable with the fact they keep addressing him as sir. Yeah. And like he said, when he says, good night, guys, 
Mm-hmm. And they reply with the good night, sir. Like you can kind of tell he's like, oh yeah, I'm their leader. And then points out the shirt's not folded to the one kid. Like he, he feels like there's a lot of moments after the first day or so where they ha- he has to start reminding himself that he is a, uh, what do you call it? Human? He's a, uh, yeah, he's a kid, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Um, and he's not at war, but, you know, even though he's a rebellion. And so, you know, the National Guard shows up the next, a, a, after a few days. Um, and that's a good scene because, like, I like how they drag out the fact there's a lot of trucks driving up. Yeah, they do a big show of force just by a volume. Yeah, and I, you know, I could kind of get the mentality of, like, listen, we just wanted to scare the shit out of these kids. Mm-hmm. I can give my opinions on like talking about the psychology behind that later and my opinions of it. But uh, yeah, I think that was a good scene. I like how you have the Colonel being lit by the backlight. And one of the things I can help to think is the Colonel's not really an antagonist in my opinion. I think Sean's uh, more the antagonist. I mean, he's yeah. an antagonist too. He's more of a foil. Yeah. And I'd argue mm-hmm. those things can exist in different lights. Where mm-hmm. He clearly does not want anything bad to happen to these kids. He like keeps emphasizing that when Ar- he argues with Moreland. It's like, you are kids. You are children. You should not be here. And, and you don't want to be... I can imagine Officer doesn't want to be the guy on his record. He says, hey, I'm the guy who had to go attack this fortification of children. Yeah. And have that on your 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 personal history of we had to kill these kids. Yeah, and um, we got bested by these kids. Like, there's no way to win in this situation for him. Yeah, and one of the things I really, I, 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 you know, I like that they showed this too. Is like he was clearly trying his best not to have to take action. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that this is the part where we start to see morale dwindling because at first they offer like whoever wants to leave can go now. Which I don't know if I would have left in that scene, like trying to put my head in one of those kids. Cause I feel like if you're in a group of your peers and they say, Hey, you could leave now, but it was in front of all your friends, mm-hmm. especially, especially if half of your friends are armed. Yeah. Especially a situation like that. It's been so indoctrinated and so like Tyler mentioned, toxic masculinity. Like we're all like that. Their entire thing has been, we're one functioning unit for, forever and glory and death and honor and it's just like wasn't it just one kid that ended up running initially at the very beginning yeah yeah so at the very beginning one kid runs over and climbs the top and it is a nervous moment and i think that's like right after the national guard shows up Mm -hmm. and he lays down his gun um and we could talk about that and then like you get the report there's another day that goes by and it's like hey um we just got the report that uh you know a like, hey, how many guys disappeared? Oh, and they do the counts, like 15, this many, this many. And then you get to the moment where it's like, hey, if you want to leave now, go now. And I think one of the lieutenants leaves. Yeah, it was the... Uh... It was the kid with the silver teeth, right? Um... I, I think because I, I think it was one of the, is the kid who was driving Sean's truck is the one who left. I think so, yeah. Um. And I and then the few like only two of the red berets leave I think, but um I kind of liked it like how they kind of showed like Dreyer stay and Dreyer says the only reason he stays is because Moreland is his friend, um, which I think was a very interesting considering how this movie ends too is a very interesting thing for him to say because he clearly is at this point objecting strongly to everything they're doing, 
Um, to point, I don't think does does I don't think he carries around a gun at any point in the, uh, from this point on in the movie. I don't think so. I think at this point he's doing his best to try and like convince his friend to shut this down before anything goes wrong. Right. Um, and you know he they have another conversation with the colonel, and the colonel says like, hey, "Listen, I can't deal like." You have to ask your guys to leave if they don't want to be here because I can't deal with a bunch of panicked National Guard guys seeing a bunch of panicked kids crawling over the fence in the middle of the night. Which I also like there. So to and backtrack, there's a conversation earlier where like some of the cadets are saying like, hey, these guys are like just as trained as us because they're National Guard, um, if not less. Um, which I thought was an interesting conversation <laughs> for them to have because it made me think, okay, is it bad that National Guard's only as well-trained as these kids, or is it bad that these kids are as, as well-trained as the National Guard? Um, <laughs> They're both equally bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's, one those, it's one of those things like, ooh, there's no good outcome for that, for this conversation, is there? Yeah, there's a problem there no matter how you look at it. But yeah. we forget one thing. The one side has helicopters and tanks. Yeah, which, you know... As good as you can fight with training and the advantage of the high ground, I'm pretty sure tanks usually win. Yeah, and especially helicopters with smoke bombs. Yeah. Uh, oh, I like when the very first, like when you first see the helicopters, that low flyover of the courtyard. Yeah. Just like out of nowhere, it's just like, oh, by the way, here we are. Yeah. This is helicopter um, 50 feet off the ground yeah so just to kind of again backtrack uh a little more so we do get like you know morale's dwindling you have the big exodus of guys and the divide between you know sean and his like you know he's telling guys to shoot on site or moreland gave the orders nobody shoots unless he says so Mm-hmm. and Dreyer's like boy we shouldn't have people being ready to shoot everybody because I I think that's what makes the one kid with his silver teeth because I think he had like he had like I don't know if I'm the only one to remember this he had like a silver teeth thing I don't, I don't remember that. that I know his name well that was Eddie I think yeah yeah he's the one who Eddie. he's the one who leaves I'm pretty sure yeah, he leaves yeah. the the mass exodus and I think it's because he's the one that like asked the guy hey like you re- you're ready to shoot somebody's like and the guy's like yeah and he goes okay that's a problem. Um, that's when he's like, this is that, that was when he was finally like, okay, this isn't about just getting to see our freaking schoolmaster and there, like there's a cut school. There's a cut in this movie where it's just like a bunch of kids doing that like thing where they all realize they did something bad. So it's like they're just like doing the thing where they're in the in the back of the car with their parents and they're doing that cry where they have to do the deep breath in between the I'm sorry type thing like that that, yeah. that there's a cut of that where that happens after that mass exodus it's like you can be composed but i feel like the moment you realize you're out of that just all the emotion that would hit you at once um yeah especially if you were like there before so then we have they uh start screwing with the water pressure the military is it the military or was it just like a mechanical failure i can't remember uh, i was definitely the military yeah which i w- would like to go back and talk about like the first night with the national guard at some point too but yeah when they start doing all this stuff yeah i i think i just want to kind of quickly guess the movie and then we'll go back and talk about that stuff okay. um and while fixing this they lose a guy it's oh a man how you know, that happened caught me off guard because it's like, like how that was pierce because that was esposito's character yeah yeah they he spills gas and then he just, trips the breaker and <laughs> just oh i guess everywhere <laughs> it's like how did that, that even happen <laughs> 
I knew that was a recipe for disaster. I'm like, oh no, something's gonna happen. This bitch gonna blow. And did up. he die or did he? No, I think he was just severely burned. Yeah, I I, I think that's open ended. It didn't really. Yeah. See. And I actually he, laughed at that because I was not expecting him to just suddenly burst into flames. Yeah, I, I knew something was going to happen, but I didn't know what. And I'm like, okay, yep, that's, that's about right. Because yeah. it wasn't like I got a little gas on my shirt and it caught fire. It was his entire body. His entire body. To I'm like, I didn't see him. <laughs> like, that was an accurate bird were, suit. That was also kind of the thing, like, um, you know... It, I think that kind of makes sense that they were getting sloppy at that point because like you had guys breaking. I think it's the case. Like I imagine they're not sleeping well at all. Oh, I, know? yeah. That goes back to what I said. Like they're, There's they're dealing with Sean psychological says, like, torture. And, Sean says, yeah, I slept a good two sleep hours. Deprivation. And no matter if you're in military school or not, a teenager needs a lot of sleep. And like, especially kids, kids need a lot, lots of sleep. And like Sean says, yeah, I got two hours uh, sleep. I'm well rested. Which is not true for like any teenager no, in the world. Not okay, dude. Because I don't know if you know this, but your teenage when you're a teenager, your body's pretty much like always working until you're about like 20, pretty much, because you're doing things like growing and like you have every hormone in the world fighting inside you. So yeah, so then that happens. And then we get like the first like real casualty, which is when a group of the kids, one of the it was the two of the younger kids run, right? Yeah, uh, the one kid panics because of the like he doesn't want to die like because of the tank mm. sitting at the gate. Yeah, which when the tank pulls up, that's such a like. That was what I wanted to talk about because when that tank first rolls up, is a hell like that's a hell of a scene. Yeah, but you know, and then this kind of leads into like the colonel gives them the ultimatum. It's like, hey, I'm being told I have to you know push in tomorrow at dawn. I'm giving you that time. And then this, and you can tell, like, the Moreland's reaction to death is, like, very jarring for him. Um, he doesn't really have the time to process it properly, or nor does he ever really process it appropriately. This then leads to him and Dreyer coming blow into blows over, um, you know, they start punching each other because Dreyer's completely not on board anymore at this point, even though he's staying with his friend. And Moreland's kind of like feels like he has his back can't surrender they have the fight before the kid dies right yeah okay yeah because he's that was when he was like getting up his own ass with being in command yeah and that was right after because that was when sean penn's character was mocking the entire situation because like how yeah when they're out of control it's which i really like that scene um before when we go back to talk about stuff in the tank um so the movie does come to its climax which at first, you, I like how they lead you on to think like, hey, they're just all going to walk out and surrender. But then Tom Krishan starts, sh- shoots the colonel, only wounding him, and he starts shooting the M60 um, at the troops. And, you know, the colonel, I like the colonel yells, don't fire, hold your fire, don't shoot, don't shoot. He keeps yelling that, and then you just, the National Guard starts start shooting back. It's Everybody starts chaos. shooting each other. They call in helicopters and tanks break down. The one kid almost gets crushed by the tank. Yeah, um, I was, I was like, are they really gonna do that? <laughs> yeah, I was like, I, I feel like they kind of like, and then um, you, then you know, they go to uh, Sean, uh, Moreland and Dreyer go to stop Sean, and um, Sean and Moreland end up dying because a machine gun blast just hits. Was it? Yeah, it was machine guns, right? That hit them. Yeah, they, shot, they got mowed down by machine guns. Yeah, like and, a fifty um, cal lit up that that window. And Dreyer's the only one left alive. And um, the last scene, which is Dreyer carrying out Moreland, 
the last scene of the actual movie and then i like they go back and they show all the kids again at the parade because it kind of changed it like i like the second use of the parade i don't know if you guys had the same thought because i kind of like that it showed them all as a lot less innocent which part of me mm-hmm. makes they think they went back they they shot that parade scene twice like one to make it seem like more honorable and then i feel like they had them change their facial expressions to make them seem less innocent and also kind of more like it makes me wonder if like when we're seeing the movie if we're kind of seeing it through dryer's view almost mm-hmm. where I mean, it's like as he sees it sense. yeah yeah shot that scene anyway at the same time so that was the movie um now let's get into some conversation damos you want to talk about the tank um, but yeah, when that tank pulls up, that was a cool image because when that tank pulls up, because that's was that right after the fist fight between? Yeah, uh, I think that's Dwyer. what stops the fist fight. Yeah, because like there's something like yeah, because Morlin and Dwyer have their fist fight because Dwyer, which that seems good too, the previous one for that. Yeah, but when that tank rolls up and like. The noise is all like the that they got that big beam light on there. Yeah, which is actually four different tanks. Um, sorry, I just oh, yeah, had to four tanks that. total, but the the one that goes up to the front gate with the beam light on it, because not all the tanks had beam lights. Yeah, the, was that, I think that was either a Patton or a Walker Bulldog. Yeah, I'm. Um, I honestly don't know. Yeah, I don't. Um, I think it was a Patton, but yeah. Point. Besides the point, that was a far. cool scene because it just rolls up to the front gate and dominates that that entryway. It's like your machine guns don't mean anything anymore, and then it's panning the the flat the light around into all the windows and like it wakes up the the two younger kids in their room and they don't even move like they're so scared and then it it pans over sean penn who's just sitting in the hallway just like broken because like like just he just got done with the fight with his best friend so he knows that's all messed up and still just panning across the yard as like this big like again like a psychological show of force to fuck with these kids and again like again the digit like by curb you know or Colonel Kirby's like, just we have a tank, please stop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I like I I kind of really like that that was like they were just like, please, please don't make us do this. We don't want to fucking kill you kids. But like I part of me also feels like wonder why they're like, you know, they could have probably just sat them out. Oh yeah. I like the things they do later where they cut the water and they cut the power. It's like, why didn't they do that? You know, immediately, just shut it all off immediately. Well, it's like, you know, they start mentioning, uh, I forget who, but one of the kids, like, hey, like, we're running out of food. Yeah. Our bread is either stale or soggy and and nothing else. And that that part shows some of the division, too, because when they shut off the water, like, like, um, what was it? Sean's like, we need to guard the water. And then Dwyer's like, why would we do that? Don't we trust each other? Like, no, we don't trust each other. And Moreland sides with Sean on that. Like, should, like that was that was just before the fight, I think. Or yeah, that was a little before the fight. We're at, yeah, so out of order with this. Sorry. One of the uh, posters I really like for this movie because I was looking at posters was one that is because if you look at the actual poster that was used, it uh, there's three posters that got used. One of them was uh, Sean Dry- Sean on one side, Dryer on the other, and Moreland in the center. Uh, the other one was. Uh, Moreland and with Sean's red red hats in the background, and then one was actually just Moreland in his dress uniform standing behind the two like young young kids in the in the uh, sandbags. Oh, yeah, 
And I thought that's a good poster because that's like, yeah, here's this kid commanding other younger kids into doing this. Um, I think Dreyer, like, you know, we kind of talked about this, it happens before the tank, but like when Dreyer's mocking, um, when I like that they're clearly watching, watching MASH in the background. Yeah, and it's like they missed the point. Yeah. And uh, Dwyer starts like doing his bit about like doing the comedy of like, hey, you know, tell us about that. I like that he keeps going with that. Like, you know, one person who keeps doing bits to another. I like that he keeps rolling with that, even when he's clearly starting to piss off uh, Moreland and to a more a greater extent, Sean. Because I think that like to like a lesser degree i feel like in like group projects or like bad like if you've ever been in a situation where you like for those of us who weren't in the military in this chat if you've ever been like a situation where you're like kind of put with people and you have a breaking point with them i think everybody goes to that each person usually goes to that moment of like you know what fuck you this is what i really think of you and <laughs> dwyer definitely did that in that moment um of course their situation is like a thousand times worse than just like hey uh you didn't wash the dishes this week derek um it was more of a you know hey we could die if we play this wrong you know um yeah i, I really like that scene something about that scene that was one of the few the many scenes in this movie that kind of really stood out to me uh any of you guys have any more thoughts tyler Damos? i love the cry sesh after the kid dies yeah that was a good scene when moreland finally realizes what he's doing and like, like everything is like this isn't. He finally witnesses death, and it's not the glory and the honor and the everything he's built it up in his mind to be. Yeah, I mean, like he's. I can't remember the exact words, but he essentially says like honor doesn't mean shit when there's a dead little boy over there. Yeah, that was a good line. Like, like I don't remember ex- the exact wording, but it was along those lines. I'm like, Damn. yeah, it was something like that. <clears throat> there's, there's the, there's the theme of the movie right there. Yeah. Um, but also like just having a scene where you know two dudes can be emotionally vulnerable with each other especially when they're so it, it's drilled into them that they cannot be like that at all um, is really powerful like it, it literally it calls back to like the scene I mentioned earlier when he's telling the story about his mom's passing and it's like I, I got 15 minutes that's it and it's like, oh my gosh, we can finally like you know be human beings for the first time in this whole movie. Uh, you know, and I do like you know one of the scenes I like is when they're kind of trying to get the kids to stand down is when they have the van with the loudspeaker passing by with oh, the yeah. uh, like parents or recording the parents or the parents just speaking like, hey, like we want you, we want you to be out of this situation, son. I, I like the one parent who's just like, hey, remember how you like you bitched about this place? We'll let you go to any other school because you clearly hated it here. So like, I guess this was a mistake on our part. Sorry, we fucked up. <laughs> I'm like, we're so sorry. We didn't know this was gonna happen. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's like, yeah, it was tough at first, but then like they finally like got used to it, and like they're starting to feel like, oh, I finally have a place to belong. And then next year, there's going to be another group of new recruits that are going to be below us and we're going to be like hot shit compared to them. So they're really excited for that. Yeah. It's like when you're like your second semester for, again, for those of us who are in the military, it's like your second semester being a freshman in college. It's like, yeah, like this, some things kind of suck now, but next year, like we won't be the lowest on yeah. the totem pole anymore. Like getting into high school. I'm not a freshman anymore. 
Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I'm a sophomore. <laughs> like, like uh, so, Damos, this is the question I have for you. Um, okay. You know, you went through a uh, boot camp, right? And uh, yeah. I believe there's another, like, kind of, it's more of a hardcore boot camp to become a ranger. Oh, yeah. I went through a ranger assessment and selection. And just, like, the mentality you had to go through that, is there, like, any of that, like, you kind of, like, any of, like, the, the those, like, uh, I guess, like, kind of the, I, like, I guess I'm trying to ask, did you, like, see anything, like, you could kind of, I know this is a hard question because we're talking about a movie that's mostly kids, any, like, thoughts you had, like, from those times that you thought related to that movie in terms of, like, how they acted kind of in this situation? Um, comparing to my own experiences, there were, like, I, I joined late. I joined at ages 25. And I was going through basic training and boot camp with kids who were, like, barely 18, like, barely out of high school. Like, so there's a little, like, these guys are just children. And then also going through rasp and like selection and stuff like you get that indoctrination because i was indoctrinated i mean you're indoctrinated to become a ranger you're indoctrinated to think you're the hot shit and everyone else below you is just the regular army the big army the masses you're the one percent of the one percent type stuff like you're you're we we get that and a lot more hostile a lot more aggressive Mm -hmm. but it's still sort of the same the same deal so i can relate to it in that sense yeah and that's kind of that's kind of what I was asking. It's like in terms of like the indoctrination mentality of like viewing yourself as a separate entity from yep. the world. And, and you get that going into the military anyway. Like you're not only like 1% of the population volunteers to serve. So you're already believing yourself to be separate from the masses by joining and serving the military. And then I was in another little subset. And then like, yeah, and you can, you can you can parcel it down further and further from there within battalion for ranks and different positions and stuff. And just, like, it's just part of the process. Like, Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's one of those things, like, I, I, I couldn't imagine doing it myself, given that uh, I do not do well being yelled at. Um, <laughs> that so. was the thing about going in as old as I was because I was literally the same age as one of my drill sergeants so I was just laughing the whole time because just like I knew this was a dog and pony show so like I didn't take to some of the indoctrination stuff yeah. basic training basic training's kind of a wash but after that it's different but yeah um you know one of the things I kept thinking about um I think the fact Ryer lives is an interesting decision um, because in any other movie, they would have killed Dreyer and had Moreland being the one who has to walk away. Yeah, but yeah, the I fact see that the Dreyer, it's kind of I don't want to say he was right all along, but the objection he had, and he was trying to stay with his friend so his friend would live, and then that doesn't happen. It's kind of you watch essentially him. I don't know, I don't know how you describe this, but you have to watch him see what he thought would happen happen. Yeah, his worst. Like he did everything he could to try and stop it to the point where he like destroyed his friendship initial, not really, but like they, the one guy's like, we're not friends anymore, basically, after they fight. Like he did literally everything to include fighting his best friend to try and end this. And it seems like I do like how it does seem like, um, it seemed like they were all friends at the beginning too. Mm hmm. Yeah, even, even yeah, you can a, see the division slowly grow 
between Sean and Dwyer as Dwyer is pushing back against his ideas. Because they have that moment where he calls, or Sean calls out Dwyer, and we're like, we're going to have a, after this is all said and done, we're going to have a fight. Which, what I like about Sean's mentality is he thinks, like, I think Dwyer's the new the one who realized very quickly, like, there's no good ending for us after this. I, I, I think it was kind of the thing of, like, he's like, I think he realized, like, hey, we either go to jail or we're, like, never going to be allowed in the, near the military again. Whereas I don't know what Moreland thought would happen, but I think Sean's, like, they're going to make us a fucking hero. Yeah, Sean, um, it's hard to think of what he thought. Like, they're going to reinstate our school and we're going to graduate and go to West Point and totally not be terrorists who did a coup. I mean, like, what's the best case scenario is these kids are never allowed near the military again and, like, live out their life in, in like, a normal high school, maybe, with some severe uh, psychological problems. Worst case scenario is a lot of these kids go to juvie than prison. Or worst case scenario, they... Or die. Followed him and, yeah. Yeah. Have I a guess, brutal shootout. I guess I was going with the if nobody died. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, like... The ones you who know, survived... <laughs> It's, and that's kind of the thing when it ends and we see like a lot of those kids walking into the smoke mm-hmm. for the last time, we don't know what happens to them after that. Yeah. Like there is no text, you know, Dreyer went on to do this or something like that. It's just they walk into the smoke and then we see them once again in this parade. And, you know, and I'm trying to like in my mind decide like what I think of that ending, like what does happen to those kids? Like, at the very least, I think you they go to juvie, the younger ones at least. Yeah, I don't even know. Like that whole situation was like, like I think that's why like with the fall the the cloudy like or the smoke bomb going off, it's like it's it's fuzzy, it's hazy, like you don't, you don't really <laughs> Well, know I was kinda thinking to myself, if you're the National Guardsman, how the hell do you know who to shoot at? And oh, that whole two feeding fight like how do they like put your guns down drop your guns don't carry them to the doors don't carry them to the gate drop your guns put them down so everyone knows you're not the threats yeah i I think at that point though they were just so oh i'm sure they were so tired and out of it and worn out and broken and then goddamn tom cruise fucking fucking snaps and to be the one guy with an m16 with an optic and Barely grazed the colonel's arm. That, he didn't. He didn't earn that badge on his chest. Is all I'm saying. He has, <laughs> you know, it's just like, in no way, this dude's got a scope on his gun and a clear shot, and then he non-fatally shoots him. Like, no, no, so also, non-fatally that he's able to run around afterwards. Yeah, like, no big deal. Like barely like, a flesh wound. He had a perfect shot, and he's just like, oh, lol, nope, actually, yeah, like, yeah. And then he jumps on that M60 and nobody dies. <laughs> How the guy in that tank didn't just turn the turret up and blow that thing away right I away? Think, I wonder if I was like, what this thing's like, the, the tank's not actually loaded. Shit. I was going to say, I bet they didn't give him tank shells. Like, we're not fucking shooting a tank shell at kids. Okay. Like, so I, 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 there's the thing. I'd like to see, like, you know, I'm surprised this is, like I said, if this was remade, I'd want to see this as a main series. I kind of would like to see the side of, like, the fucking military administration dealing with the fact we have to play fucking kids that are our kids from our country. How the fuck do we deal with this? Yeah. Like, I, 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 I want to see the question I had. 
would this have been considered a feigned surrender? <laughs> I'm not sure. Huh. I don't know. Anyway, because like I, they I, did I, surrender and then they like attacked immediately. And it, it was just one guy, but like. Yeah. Well, then other like everybody panicked, and the, like all the military started shooting, and then all the kids started shooting back, and thank God, apparently everybody was not trained at all because nobody hit anything. I mean, it is National Kid versus the National you. Guard versus a bunch of kids. Oh, there was one. Kids. There was one. I think was it. I think in that whole final fight scene, besides the um, du- or, um the two main characters who get blowed up in that window, like yeah, one, one guard, National Guard one guy guy just gets. <laughs> Gets, he gets out of that APC, it just takes one right in the chest. Yeah, Damos, like, I want you to imagine having to explain that purple heart to people. It's like, oh, what battle was that from? Uh, Valley oh Forge. No, the, ba- the Battle of Valley Bunker Hill? Like, when you were in Vietnam? No, 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 no. Not that Bunker Hill. <laughs> you know the school where we killed like four kids? That you know, day? like the 12 year olds? <laughs> you know that school in Ohio? That, yeah, a 14 year old oh. with a pretty good shot got me in the shoulder. Yeah, he just dropped me. <laughs> yeah. It's like one of those things. I'm upset that this is... It is. Uh, it's like a Call of Duty lobby. You just get killed by a bunch of 12-year-olds. Yeah, they teabagged me and said gamer words at me. <laughs> he said the gamer words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's weird. The kid shot me and then started teabagging me and saying yelling slurs at me. Um, like, I don't know. And this was Get in the 80s. On. There weren't even internet. Was- yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's that's one of those. I think that is the kind of okay. That that was one of those things. Uh, I feel like I saw a bot. Were there bot more bodies on the ground besides that though when they think walked? There out? was. I don't like, I, like yeah. you see the ambulance when at the end when they're driving away, and you see another couple of soldiers with medic bags walking around, but that's it. Yeah. And I think that was like they didn't want to show an actual shootout where kids and soldiers. I feel got like shot. I heard something once that like I think movies get like a limit of dead kids they're allowed to show. Unless you're a B become... movie. Well, in this which is case. I think this was PG too. So I think <laughs> yeah. like it yeah, was. True. Which by the way, when this was released, it was PG. Yeah. Yeah. I mean PG 13 didn't exist yet, right? Uh yeah, because I think it was uh I think it was Temple of Doom. Yeah. Yeah, that was later 80s, right? Yeah, this, this movie came out in 81. Yeah, so it still had a little bit yet before that. Yeah. I feel, I feel like this would have been like hard, either like high PG-13 or almost R today. Uh, yeah, I could imagine this getting like I, like made today, let alone... With the story the way it ends, no way in hell. Like, like, like the way like military schools wouldn't want that negative press like like you said like i wonder how they managed to get them to let them and i really think it was the fact that like part of the deal is like hey anything like we break for the movie we will renovate and make it better for you Uh, i imagine they didn't tell them all the plot a lot of schools got turned them down yeah yeah three schools turned them down they turned down one school because it didn't have the walls and i think one school uh they did turn down because they couldn't get a tank through the road oh and then I saw after the film, like a bunch of other military schools were like, we're never going to work with with uh, movies because it was so disruptive to their actual ability to do their military school shenanigans. Like, so like that, that took over, like you said, the parade field and others, other buildings and stuff. So like, yeah, those things, those things, those places have tight timetables. They can't be like they got to churn out all these kids for West Point. 
mm-hmm. fucking West Point. Yeah. West Point's worthless. <laughs> Just saying. Well, yeah, and that's the thing I think about that these kids all become officers, like, is the reality of what happens to these kids? Like, that's if they like, go to West Point. Yeah, I imagine so. Yeah. West Point or the Air Force Academy and yeah. whatever else. It's the end goal, anyway. I mean, because that's the thing. I know people who have gone the Valley of Fortune never did anything in the military after high school. So, like, I think it's like yeah. one of those things, too, given it, it there is like some level of prestige to going the Valley of yeah. Fortune. It's like also just like, you know, you could pretty much go to any college you want to after going there. Yeah. I bet, you know, some of yeah. the people are just like, yeah, we're not doing this military thing anymore. But it yeah. always it seemed like the one general was like, we only talk about the people who did the military stuff, not anyone who went and just did a good life afterwards because yeah remember he that doesn't little... go in the honor book that we keep at our fucking giant gold eagle in the church yeah which i wonder if that was really on the campus or if like that's something they add in so like, how do we make this look more problematic and fascist um, oh it could go either way so easily i could totally see it being there so um before, we're gonna get to the point where we wrap up our podcast anybody have any last thoughts in the movie one fact I do want to share is apparently like they had to keep cycling the uh, AR-15s and M-16s they used at the end of the movie because the blanks weren't powerful enough to clear the chamber. Oh, really? So like if you pay attention, every time one of them, one of the soldiers fire, they have to cock it back uh, every time or pull the, uh, what you call it, the arm or whatever, the charging handle. Okay, yeah, yeah, the charging handle. Every time they fire because like it would like it would automatically not clear because they weren't power, blanks at the time weren't powerful enough. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I thought this was a good movie. I it, it's it, I, it has problems. Mm-hmm. Um, there was things I kind of think I think they only needed so much. The first thing I felt like that could have been lighter, and there's I kind of would have liked some things more set up, like to define them. Like I, that's the thing. I think you point out, like we don't see any of these kids in class. I, yeah, I can see where, like, because it was a long movie. It was two hours. Yeah. And I can see why they wanted to keep the, the the before the events start happening tight. And like how you mentioned focusing on the kids' experience and the kids' story. Mm-hmm. And specifically their relationship with the general that sparks the whole madness. Yeah. I, I, and I do think, like, the, you know, the I think this movie is very much his fault. Oh like, yeah, I, that little bastard got lucky and died before it all went down. Yeah. True. Uh, I found a picture of the inside of the church. The eagle oh, is not that, there. That okay? So they added that in. Yeah, so it looks it. like they put that in front of the plinth on the right side. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Still, you know, God, that is a gaudy ass church. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. You know, I think I think this is one of those movies that it's like. I don't feel good after watching it, but I'm kind of glad I watched it. Um, It was... I'm glad I watched it. It was interesting, especially just to see those actors at such a young age. Yeah, because, like, they all... Pretty good job. They all went on to do a lot after that, like, you know. It's funny, because it's like an ensemble cast before anyone knew it was going to be an ensemble cast. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. I mean, the... You know, it's funny, like, because... we I kind of jokingly said that this movie's the anti-Red Dawn because in Red Dawn, uh, what's it, Charlie Sheen and uh, what's his name are in that movie, and that was like there for some of their first movies too. But uh, yeah, again, it's I I find it hilarious they got this movie made because uh, I 
part of me really wonders if like they just looked at the title of the script read the first 30 pages and they were like yeah sure we'll make your movie well, <laughs> yeah we'll give you some money i i really want to know what ronald reagan thought of it yeah again that's like oh. the thing of like you know the, we talked about this on the great dictator to be a fly on the on the wall of the room like because there's those rumors that apparently hitler actually saw the great dictator um, I would love to oh, see that. Yeah, that would have been yeah. seeing their reactions would have been interesting. To be chilling in Camp David watching Ronald Reagan watch the watch this. Part of me thinks he just wouldn't have understood the movie. I also oh, it, I feel like it absolutely would have gone over his head. Yeah. Because I there are quite a few people who like this movie and don't understand the kids taking up arms against the like township wanting to build condominiums is like problematic. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's yeah. You know, um, yeah, so that has been our episode of The Outliers. Uh, so we'll see you next week. Thanks for having me, guys. This was a lot of fun. It was great having you on. 